Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's April 28, 2011, and this is episode 281. From February 13 to 24, 2011, I held my fourth winter Wonderland workshop. And after shooting the snow monkeys in Nagano for three days, which we looked at in episode 279, we jumped onto a plane and made our way up to the northern island of Japan, Hokkaido. We were joined by a 14th participant up there and we embarked on the Hokkaido leg of the tour for a further nine days, photographing the amazing wildlife around eastern Hokkaido. Before we jump into the main topic today though, I'm pleased to tell you that for the next four episodes, this podcast is sponsored by White Leaf. International Strategic Planning. Whiteleaf is a management consulting firm that offers strategic services to international businesses. Rodrigo Caetano, founder of Whiteleaf, specializes in developing business strategies for small and medium-sized companies operating in Canada, Brazil, and around the world. Especially for MBP listeners who need a hand creating their global business strategy or just want a second opinion about their current strategy, Whiteleaf is offering a complimentary one-hour consultation. For more information and to take advantage of this special offer, visit the website whiteleaf.ca/mbp. I have to tell you, I've had a consultation session with Rodrigo myself, and he's on the ball. A very sharp guy. So please do take advantage of this offer if you're a business owner, or working towards becoming one. After we'd finished photographing the adorable snow monkeys in Nagano at lunchtime on February 15th, we got on the bus and made our way to a hotel near the Haneda Airport in Tokyo. This was different from last year where I gave the participants a weekend in Tokyo to catch their breath and do some sightseeing. This went down well with some people but not so well with others so I got rid of that break. Now we go to the airport together and after a night in the hotel we jumped on a plane to Hokkaido early the following morning. This got us into Kushiro airport shortly after 9am and on the snow photographing the beautiful and majestic red crown cranes by 10am. Although the cranes are amazing and get everyone's shutter fingers working overtime straight away, one of the highlights of the day at the Akan International Crane Centre is when they throw fish out onto the snow to feed the cranes. Now, it's not just the cranes that make this interesting. There are white-tailed eagles, black kites and occasional stellar sea eagles that come in and swoop down and steal the fish before the cranes can snap them up. There is sometimes a little friction between the cranes and the, the bandit eagles too, which all makes for some great photo opportunities. Here's my probably my best shot from this part of the first day. Remember that if you're listening in iTunes or an iPhone or iPod, the image will be displayed now and will change as we progress through the images. If not, you'll need to go to my blog to see the images we're talking about. 
uh, just type in mbp.ac281 uh, into your browser and you'll be magically transported to the appropriate page. This is a juvenile Stella seagull snatching one of the fish from the snow. I shot this with the 600mm lens on the Canon EOS 1D Mark IV, which has a 1.3x crop factor, giving me an effective focal length of 280mm. I was really set up to shoot the eagles from the side as they swoop down. So I ended up cropping off the wingtips um, off of the, my eagle here. From this year, we have also started to incorporate structured critique sessions at some of the hotels that we stay at. And later in the tour, I showed this image to the group uncropped, uh, saying that I wasn't happy with it. One of the group then suggested that I crop it even further to take away the look of it being accidentally clipped. And it really worked. It enabled us to focus in and you know, even more on the action of the fish being snatched from the snow, which is great. And this is a, a great example of how the sessions help to increase the productivity of the tour, even for me. I was also surprised that I managed to nail the focus on this one too, because I really did snatch at it. I saw the eagle swooping down and literally uh, focused and snatched this shot in a split second. So I'm very pleased that it worked out. There was another reason why I was very happy on this first day. In addition to the fact that I was in Hokkaido with a great group of photographers, and that is that I was able to meet one of my photography heroes. Art Wolf was at the Crane Centre with his own group, and I couldn't resist introducing myself, telling him how much I admire him and his work, and getting someone to take this photo of us together with my iPhone. It wasn't all good news though. There have been a few changes at the Akan Crane Centre, which is where we spend the main part of the day for the first few days. There used to be a line of dark pine trees across the entire back of the area where the cranes are, which made a nice contrast against the white cranes, especially as they flew in, uh, but also as they jump into the air when dancing or calling. It turns out that the deer in the area had eaten the bark off the trees and they got ill, the trees got ill, and all but five of them have had to be cut down. Now, the background is, you know, now just a smattering of snow interspersed with brown grasses and bare soil, and I have to say it looks horrible. For the participants for whom it was the first time, they still totally enjoyed it and they were shooting like crazy for the whole day on this first few days um, you know, that we spent at the, at the centre. But I, I know that this location uh, can or could offer so much more and I've shot there so many times um, in the past in better conditions that I was a little disappointed. Um, for me, of course, but also for the for the participants, although they were enjoying it. I actually shot less images in this first few days than I usually do because I, it just wasn't great. What we really needed was some fresh snow. You know, the, the tree's gone, it, that's, that's over. There's nothing we can do to bring those back. But we really needed some fresh snow to cover the dirt that was showing through in the background. But it didn't happen on this first two days that we were scheduled to be here. 
During the night of the second day, though, the forecast was for snow. So when we woke on the third day to find that we'd not only had a lot of fresh snow, but it was still snowing, I changed the schedule to take us back to the Akan Crane Centre for the morning of this third day, and it was a jackpot decision. As if we'd ordered it, almost as soon as we had gotten into the crane centre and set up our cameras, a pair of cranes started to dance in the snow, and they danced for longer than I've ever seen them do. The sound of the camera shutters was incredible as everyone captured the scene as it unfolded. Here's one of my favourite images from this particular session. I love the fact that the snow has registered so well on this image and the background was pale and there'd been enough snow to hide the patches of dirt that would still have ruined this otherwise. I also love this pose with the way the two cranes next intersect and their wings fill the frame. It was using an aperture of f8 as I've learned that a wider aperture doesn't enable you to get two cranes uh, even dancing this closely, in focus at the same time. This required that I shot with ISO 400 and a shutter speed of 320th of a second for this exposure. That's fast enough to freeze the action as the cranes dance around. Here's another favourite from this third morning. This is, of course, a single frame, but the position of the two cranes and the juvenile crane, you know, the two parents and the juvenile crane as they come into land, um, looks almost like a multiple exposure of a single crane landing. Pushing the post-processing boat out a little here, I also used Photoshop's context-aware fill to remove a fourth crane from the left of the scene. It was just too good to throw out. The same sentiment led me to context-aware fill out a, uh, a large crane-shaped steel plate at the edge of the centre from this shot too. I'd slowed down the shutter speed on my second camera to a 40th of a second with an aperture of f16 to get some panning shots with wing movement. And the best shot of this series with the tree coming into the right of the frame here had a horrible ornament just smack in the middle. And again, I, I just couldn't throw this out. So I use my artistic license once again. Please forgive me, traditionalists, for I have sinned. To avoid us going too far off schedule, we didn't stay for the feeding of, you know, where they throw out the fish on the third day at the crane centre. We left at lunchtime for Sunayu, which is a place at Kusharo Lake where they would be, there'd be some hooper swans, Graham Morgan, our friend from Australia, an amazing photographer and third-time participant on this tour, had told me that he wanted to find a tree at the Kusharo Lake, which Michael Kenner had shot a few times and pretty much made famous. I didn't know where the tree was, but I knew from the title of the Kenner photograph roughly where it should be. So I kept my eyes out um, you know, as we drove in the bus as we drove past and towards Tsunayu and sure enough shortly before we arrived there was what I thought was the tree and we can see it here in the next shot. It was just a short walk along the bank of the lake from where we'd 
photographed the swans for the afternoon. So I called for those who the, of the group that were interested and we took a walk down there. After we'd been photographing for a while, a Japanese man came. You know, I, I initially didn't recognize this person, but he walked up and asked me if I was Martin Bailey. And I had one of those surreal, oh my God, I'm getting famous moments. And then he told me his name and that he'd come to my exhibition in Tokyo last December. Then I was able to see past the the beanie hat and the, you know, the cold weather clothing to realize that I did recognize him and apologize for not knowing straight away. He was here with Japanese photographer Michiko Yone, who is one of the best Japanese nature photographers in my opinion. Though I didn't realize this until the following morning when we met them again at Bihoro Pass. The only disappointing thing about meeting this gentleman was that he told me that this was not actually Kenner's tree. That had fallen ill and been cut down a couple of years ago. This tree was an imposter, but it would do. I don't like the fact that the bottom bough has been cut off though which is much more prominent in this second shot. As the swans were flying by relatively regularly though, we decided to hang out and get a couple of shots like this, with them visible flying across the lake under the tree in the distance. The rocks on the lakeshore here add a nice additional element, and overall I think the shot has the appeal of a Japanese, a traditional Japanese painting. But I don't really like that the sawn off branch on you know is there. I mean it just it just doesn't look great on this imposter Kenner tree. As Graham and I walked back to the main group, who'd pretty much all gone back up to photograph the swans by now, I saw and grabbed the next shot, which Graham was not happy about. Graham really is an amazing photographer, so it always makes me happy to see and capture something that his amazing eyes didn't see, and this was one of those occasions. There was just something about the light on the swans, their attention to something off frame, and the trees in the top right uh, the, you know, of, of the image there to balance the whole thing out. The moment was gone quickly though, and I was duly cussed for capturing this one when I showed it to Graham on my LCD. This is all in good fun, of course. Once back with the Hooper Swans, we worked on our panning techniques, which was is one of the main educational aspects that I worked with the group on at this location. The swans fly in and out with some regularity, and for the first time for me at this location, the person that is you know responsible for uh, feeding the swans walked down to where the swans were not making them fly down to them in front of us then when they'd all flown down to one spot the feeder guy ran back to the other end of the part of the beach where the lake was not frozen to feed the swans again which of course made them all fly back and this gives us a whole lot of flying swans to practice on on the morning of the fourth day, which was the second day at Cusharrow Lake with the Hooper Swans, we first uh, got up early and went to Bihoro Pass in the hope of a spectacular sunrise. 
Unfortunately, although it was clear when we left the hotel, it was cloudy and snowing as we got to the pass, and it didn't clear. We waited as the you know the time for sunrise came and went. We couldn't see the sunrise or Shadow Lake, which we were in position to overlook. One of the most frustrating things for me as the organiser of the tour is that we can't control the weather and sometimes we have to give up on some of the possible photo opportunities. Luckily, my participants understand and because we generally uh, do okay, they tend to forgive me. As I mentioned earlier though, on the way down from Bihoro Pass, I noticed the group that we'd run into the previous day at the Kushalo Lake, and it was then that I recognized their sensei or instructor as Michiko Yone, one of my favorite and by far one of the most successful nature photographers in Japan. As with Art Wolf, I couldn't help but introduce myself and have a quick chat. It's really nice to meet one's heroes, especially when it's the second hero in just a few days. After breakfast, we had a critique session at the hotel. We loaned the bar and I set up the projector that I'd bought mainly for this purpose. And we had a great couple of hours looking at each other's images that, you know, the group had basically saved their images to Martin Bailey photography branded USB memory sticks that I'd provided each of them for this purpose. Everyone agreed that it was a very educational experience as well as being very inspirational to see how the rest of the group was seeing and capturing the scenes that were being presented with. In the afternoon we went back to the Hooper Swans and continued to work on our panning techniques. It was on this second afternoon that I shot this next image, probably my most successful um, panning image of the swans in flight from this tour. I'd selected an aperture of f14 to get a slowish shutter speed of 1 60th of a second, which would make the background blur slightly as I panned with the swans. It also helps me to get the two swans, which are a couple of meters apart, in focus as they fly past like this. And it helps me to record a bit of movement in the swans' wings as they flap. I also showed the group my stance with my feet at shoulders width apart, and how I swivel from the waist for a smooth mo motion. Also, possibly the most important part of panning shots is to follow through like a golf swing, rather than snatching at the shot, then stopping your pan. That almost always reduces the number of successful images from your burst. You have to keep shooting as you pan, even after you think that the moment could be over. To give us more chance of perfecting our technique, among other things, you'd probably notice that a major change uh, that I made to the tour this year is that we spent two days at almost all of the locations that we visited. I find this helps, it really helps people to maximise their chances of getting some great images at each location. On the first day, you are mostly getting used to the situation and location and the subject matter. I'm sure that you've been somewhere for a day in the past and then get home at night and look at your images and wish that you'd done something differently. If you go back the very next day, it allows you to fix all of those things and act on what you've learned straight away, not the following year or so, if you manage to make it back to the same location. 
And when, when it's a year or so, you almost inevitably make the same mistakes again on the first day. On the fifth morning, we had hoped to have a second chance at Bihoro Pass, but the heavy snow had resulted in the road being closed off. There was a, sh- a slim chance of it opening early enough for us to still make it up there, but after much deliberation, we decided that Yukiko, the guide that was travelling with us from the tour operator that I had teamed up with from this year, would get up at 3.50am and call the authorities that would be able to tell us if the road was open or not. If the road was open, she would give us all a morning call. If it wasn't, then we'd all stay in bed until breakfast. It turns out that the road didn't open until 7.30am and we all had a lie-in, except for Yukiko, of course, bless her. It really did make a huge difference having Yukiko around this year. The To check in the hotels, everything like that went very sm- smoothly, as did lunches and figuring out who owed what for their drinks with the evening meals, which is the only thing that is not included in the in the, the cost of the tour. These things were all very much appreciated by the group, especially those that have joined in the past, because they know that me trying to deal with all of this, all of these things, um, you know, as we came back um, to hotels and things, you know, after a hard day, me trying to do all of that in series just really took a lot of time and effort in the past. Another great side effect that I've been, I'd been hoping for uh, and that panned out is that it really freed me up from all of these logistical tasks and I was able to stay fresh for the group, making it an overall richer experience for them too. I'm certainly going to continue to work with this tour operator for future tours. So I, you know, if you should join us, you'll reap these benefits as well. For now, though, I'd like to say a huge thanks for all that you did for us, Yukiko, if you're listening. The group and I all really appreciated your help. We spent the morning of the 20th driving over to Daos, the harbour town, where we would be shooting the Stellar Sea Eagles and the Whitetail Eagles from a chartered boat. In the afternoon, for a while, we shot around the harbour and then made our way to the boarding house where we were to we were planning to photograph Blackiston's fish owls in the evening. The next few hours were incredibly frustrating for me. The owner of the boarding house was not there when we arrived, but a number of other photographers were, which was a problem, as we'd been told that we were fully chartering the premises for this day, and no one else would be there. One guy that I uh, that was there was a local guide that I know well, and although he knew that we were supposed to be coming, he, he didn't know that we were supposed to be the only group here. He agreed that we had a problem, but couldn't really do any more than turn other people that turned up away. Eventually, the owner of the facility turned up, and after my flurry of frustrated complaints, tried to tell the other ph- photographers that had showed up um, you know, by now and had got their equipment set up, that they had to leave. This put me in a difficult position as, you know, we'd we'd now found a spot for each of my participants. And if we borrowed the owner's car for the last two of us to shoot from, 
we could manage without turning the other photographers away. So I allowed them to stay. One of them came straight over and shook me by the hand and thanked me. Another opened a can of beer and got back in his car. Later in the evening, he'd annoy me further and we exchanged strong words, but that was about the extent of my frustration once we'd gotten things sorted out. I got angry though, and I was frustrated with myself for showing my group that that side of me uh, that I'd rather have not. I still regret this, but it really was a frustrating experience, and I was I was really looking out for the group, and you know, I'm still considering whether or not I should leave this out of the itinerary again in 2012. By the way, the owls did show a couple of times. And we were able to get shots like this one as the owls came down to catch fish that were put into the pool in the river for them to take. I know that some people don't like this sort of baiting, but the truth is, in these owls' case, that this activity has enabled them, you know, the owls to grow in number for the first time in decades. So I'm kind of okay with all that. Note that I cranked my 1D Mark IV up to ISO 6400 for this shot. To get a shutter speed of 500th of a second with an aperture of f4.5, you need a 500th of a second to freeze a bird in flight, but the constant lighting that we have on these owls isn't all that bright. Thank heavens for the low noise at high ISO that modern DSLRs afford us. So this brings us to the end of the fifth day in Hokkaido and to the end of this episode. Join me in the next episode to see how our last four days went. Before we finish, I'd like to remind you of that offer for some free business consultation from Whiteleaf. And you can see details of that again at www.whiteleaf.ca slash mvp I'd also like to thank Rodrigo for supporting the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast Thank you too for listening today and remember that you can find me on Flickr and Facebook as well as Twitter and of course my blog and the Photography Forum All links are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so do drop by I'll be back next week with that follow up episode But in the meantime, you just have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.